following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about you, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, April 6th, 2022, season 18, episode number three. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios. At the start of today, we're talking draft. Uh, we're going to get you guys ready. These next few shows get you ready for draft. It's happening later this month, end of the month, actually. And uh, I know Dave's been doing a lot of work on that in his uh, his appearances on the draft show. Nick, I'm sure, is writing lots of great articles, and Amber's getting a lot of stuff ready for SOMO. So we got a lot of information that we we're going to digest, uh, that we're going to give you guys for you to digest over the next few weeks, getting ready for the Cowboys draft uh, here in late April. How's everybody doing today? Great. Good. Good. Wow, Good. that was loud. Sorry. Yeah, that was. I'm a little confused about something, so I'm glad we're talking draft because I do have a question. You want to throw it out there? Let's let's get it out there in the open, right? At the typically, beginning. when you have a question, it takes up like 25 minutes of the show. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, let's no, get into no, no. it. I mean, it's just about an, and one of the names that has been one of the most popular names when it comes to the Cowboys in their first pick at 24 is the center Tyler. Um, how do you, Linderbaum. 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 Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I guess uh, I haven't really studied much about him or learned much about like it, can he play other positions? It, you know, why is that name? Why is the center? And I know Nick is kind of gearing towards the change of uh, or let's say an upgrade at center. But just in general, like me personally, I don't see that as the biggest necessity on the O line, but. Why is a name like that, a center, being so popular for the Cowboys right now? Uh, because center is not a position that's typically valued heavily in the draft. Uh, you know, Travis Frederick was drafted 31st overall, and people thought it was a bad pick. People tend to think you can find a good center later in the draft. So when a center comes along that has really good pedigree, like a surefire first-round pick. That's kind of rare. Tyler Linderbaum dominated at Iowa. He won the Remington Trophy, which is what they gave to the best center in college football. His tape is outstanding. Again, like it's it's rare to have a draft class where you're like, this center is going to go in the first round. Like that doesn't happen very often. And I I tend to agree with you. I think I think Tyler Biotish kind of, in my opinion, is kind of a convenient scapegoat. Like, he's certainly, he's not Travis Frederick. I think we've talked about this before. Like, they could upgrade the position, but I do agree with you that there are bigger problems. Namely, right now, left guard, in my opinion. Um, But I just think people see, they're basically, we weren't very good at center. There's a great center in the draft. He kind of fits into the range of where the Cowboys pick, and it just makes sense. How much do you think the uh, this offensive line going from what it was when they were at their peak here a few years ago to where they are now is about the fact that they no longer have Travis Frederick. And maybe getting a dominant, more dominant center maybe makes gets them back to that area. Yeah. I hate to be a buzzkill. A few years ago, I mean, they were at their peak in 2016. I mean, that's feeling like ancient history at this point. Yeah, I think having... We're in another building, believe it or not. Yeah, Yeah. having an all-pro center... Yes, huge. Travis Frederick is vastly underrated. Tyron Smith was a lot healthier back then. Yeah. Ron Leary, 
was the best left guard of the era that I've covered the team, probably. And all of those things tie together. Sorry, Nick, I didn't no, mean to cut you off. No, I think it's true. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that Frederick, uh, that, that's a big part of it. And then also, like you said, Tyron Smith being being injured is, I think, the, a bigger issue. But anytime you got a guy that's making uh, the, the line calls there, anytime you got a guy making the line calls, I think that's going to be the biggest issue is the fact that like just they don't have the continuity um, that they, they had before. And I think Biotis has got a lot of issues. Strength is one of them. And then just, just kind of understanding the the game as a young player. And, not, you know, not everybody did it as smoothly as Frederick. Does Do you think that – and I know we've talked about this in previous weeks, but to Amber's point, do you think that maybe the, the reason why the Cowboys would consider, if they really are considering a center that high, is because they feel like if you get a, a more dominant center – it helps your left guard problem, yeah. and and maybe Connor McGovern becomes viable at that point. I don't know, maybe not, but I'm just saying maybe that's the way they're looking at it. Is you give me a dominant center, maybe my left guard becomes a little less of a problem. I think you can apply that to either spot, really. Right. I mean, Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green are names you're going to hear a lot too if you haven't already. They're arguably the best guards in this class. I think one of them could make Tyler Biotish look a lot better. But yeah, I mean, making the calls. And again, I learned this from Brian Broadus. Like, just go watch tape of Travis Frederick or any like great center. And the way that they are able to cut a defense in half by holding the point of attack in the middle, it's invaluable. Uh, you don't like you take linebackers out of the play. You cut off a lot of backside tackles. Um, I think they miss that tremendously. And that yeah, identifying things before the snap. Um, Tyler Linderbaum would make this team a lot better in a hurry, I think. Uh, I know I said I didn't think Biotish was a big problem, but I do think that would be an upgrade. Yeah, which that's the thing about the draft, too. You kind of want to be in a position where you can draft players that will just make you better, not necessarily got to fill holes, and that's why you would hope going into the draft they don't have a lot of glaring holes. That's why we're just making eyeball emojis at the left guard spot right now. Like, what the hell's going on? Right. I mean, have you ever, 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 do you remember that one center that wasn't very smart? Me either. I mean, <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. The good centers are the ones that, that understand the game. They understand what's happening before it even gets there. So I think that that's also invaluable too, just to have a guy that that knows kind of what the defense is trying to do, and they can get everybody in in order. I mean, Mark Stepnowski wasn't the best center. I mean, he wasn't the best player on that those lines, but he was kind of the anchor there because he kind of you know keeps it keeps it all going and and under and gets everybody kind of in position to 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 see what's happening next. All right. But so to, go ahead. to your point and what you were talking about, you know, having someone that can help the guy next to you. I mean, I think would you rather have that person be in the center or would you rather have that person be the guy that's on guard playing guard? In a scenario where maybe a guy like Tyron Smith goes out at some point, then you have, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. who's then at, le- uh, at left tackle at that point? And how much, like, you know, who would be most, where is the experience the most beneficial within the O-line? And yeah. to me, I wouldn't say it's center right now. Well, but here's the issue. What I think it still comes back to is, and, and Dave, you mentioned a couple guards, is Linderbaum better than those guards? If he's better than those guards, I don't want the Cowboys going into a draft saying, well, we really need a guard, so let's pass up a better center in order to get a lesser guard just because we think we need a guard. I think take the better player, which is, again, why I don't think it's ever a good idea to go into the draft with glaring holes 
because you got holes, then you got to just fill the hole, and you take a lesser player sometimes than taking the better have player. Have we got anybody since last week? No. Have, what? have we got anybody no, they have not. since last week? No, they have not. Oh, okay, I was just checking they if I didn't hear any of this. They have not. So it does, as Dave was saying, you got those big eye emojis looking right now at left guard. Like, mm, that looks like a glaring hole to they me. Don't, they don't even think like that. They don't even think about this year's team. I think they're looking at it. Who's the better player in three years? Who's going to be the better player, this center or this guard or this tackle? Honestly, I think we're, we're forgetting the tackle spot. Yeah. I think I think if they're if if it's all equal, if there's a guard, a center, and a tackle that are all sitting there that are equal, I think they take the tackle. I don't know how much that helps you this year, but they don't always look at it that way. Yeah, no, I, and that's McCarthy the, would because if he doesn't win, he's probably not the coach <laughs> next year. Yeah, right. But I don't think they look at it that way. I th- that's that's good in a vacuum. That's what they should do. But that's what makes this so weird. Is they haven't done they're not they have not done things they need to do to make this team viable like if they it would it's malpractice to go into a draft like man we better come out of here with one of these guards but that's what it looks like right now their options are a 7th round pick and a guy that they benched when they gave him a chance last year and their only swing tackle right now is a 4th round pick who didn't play a snap and it's cool. McCarthy mentioned Matt Farniak and um, Josh Ball by name when we asked him about it last week at the owners' meetings. But I, I, the great Brad Sham, it left a big impression on me. He once said, hope is not a strategy. Mm-hmm. And hoping that those guys look g- great during the season because they're out here working out doesn't make me feel any better. I don't know about anybody else. Do you think they have a different opinion of McGovern than what they have shown or, have, or are telling us? Perhaps, but... The, what they've shown is that that they gave him a chance and then they benched him for right, a guy yeah. that had no future being here. Right, that's one point. Connor so Williams was not. So they've shown they've not shown us they have any trust in him, but the fact that they haven't signed anybody, maybe they're showing us that they maybe yeah. do have some trust in him. That, Who knows? The guys that are out there aren't better. Right. Yeah. Actions speak a hell of a lot louder than words. I mean, yeah, they gave him a shot, and it made for what Nick just said. It makes all the sense in the world to leave him in there, and they didn't. So. And maybe maybe they're right. Maybe the guys available aren't better, but we already saw it with Terrence Steele. When everybody thought he was terrible, they kept him in there. So we know they've done it. Yeah. and they have a different Which, perspective. And they yeah, absolutely they kept doing it because they had faith. <laughs> they gave him the hook. They were like, "No, Pulled thank you. We'll go back Retreat. to the other honor." I do kind of think that's the way they look at Biotish a little bit. I think they look at him like Terrence Steele. I think they think he's an ascending player. I think that's what they believe. But who and knows? I again, like that's. Honestly, that's fine with me. Like, I do not think Tyler is the. He, I don't think he's this f- problem that must be fixed right now. I, like I said, Linderbaum's there, and and you feel good about it, do it. But I'm not one of these people that's like they got to come out of this draft with Tyler Linderbaum. Mm. But I'm sitting here right now thinking, like, man, it might be kind of dicey for y'all if you don't find a way to get a guard with one of your first two picks. Yeah. But sometimes though, you do have to look at the entire class. Look at it and go. All right, if we want to get a guard and a center, if we get Linderbaum here at center. He's better than Biotish, and he plays immediately. If we get a guard here and we want to get a center later, then we're just getting another uh, another mm-hmm. Farniak or Biotish in the fourth or fifth round, and then we're trying to figure. You know what I mean? So if if they they might look at it and go guard. We could probably still get a guard in the second, third, or fourth round that could compete with McGovern. If we don't get the center here, then we're not going to get one. That's a good point. Yeah, and that, those, that's all the, the, the fine points of drafting yeah. that you don't really think about when you're just looking at it in a vacuum, like, well, you got to make this pick here and you got to make this pick here. There's a it's, bigger picture to it. And there's a story there. I mean, Bill Parcells did it in the second round. He wanted Jason Witten, mm-hmm. but he didn't take him. 
because he didn't. He thought there was way more tight ends available. There's not another center. He took Al Johnson. Yeah, and, and then Jason went Jason the stayed till the, the third. Yeah. He, he ripped the door off. He was pretty <laughs> right. pissed about right. it. Right, he didn't um, like that. And so, but he ended up getting him in the third round, yeah. and he turned. He worked. Turned out to be a good player. And now he's got a mural. And Al Johnson is. <laughs> Al Johnson. Where is, is Al coach, Johnson? Al Johnson is coaching Division II football. There we go. I believe in East Central University in Oklahoma. Good stuff. And he's had two years, and he's been a pretty good coach there. Head Al, coach? Head coach at All Division right. II football, Al Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go. All right. Here's what we're going to do. Uh, I figured today what I wanted to do on the topic of draft is I want to go back and look at the last five years of drafts because I think uh, there's a lot of – you know, I think the general consensus around media types and, and fans is that the Cowboys draft pretty well. Uh, but I do think when you look at, at it in isolation, I think there are some glaring misses. And I think sometimes fans will look at that and they'll be like, man, that just sucks. And, and they're not really thinking about the totality of what they did in each year. So what I did was I went back and I looked at all of the picks for the last five years. I put them in, in categories by the, the round that they were drafted in. And I'm going to talk to you guys, and I want to get your opinions on first, like what would you expect from a player selected in this round? Uh, and then do you think the Cowboys met it uh, in each of these uh, in, the, in the last five years with the picks that they've made? That all makes sense? Yep. Yeah. I bet. So here, here's the first round. Let's talk first about uh, Michael Parsons last year, C.D. Lamb, Leighton Vander Esch, Taco Charlton. Uh, those were the first round picks for the last five years. Cowboys did not have a pick in the first round, the year that they got Tristan Hill in the second round. That being said, what do you expect from a first-round pick, and do you think overall, when you look at that class of guys, do you think that they've uh, that met that expectation? I don't have to use my opinion. I know what teams think. Okay. And so a guy that you draft in the first round, depending on, again, and you got to remember, too, like the – the way teams approach the draft is so much different than the way we talk about it. Pick 20 is not, obviously, it's not the same as pick one. Pick eight's not the same as pick 17. Like, most teams have 15 to 20 first-round grades on players. So, that matters, too. So, if you're a top-of-the-first-round grade, pick one through probably pick 10, where Micah was drafted, you're supposed to be an immediate impact player and, like, a long-term difference maker. Just a regular old first-round grade. Uh, potential building block, block player and a first-year starter. So if you look at that in that vacuum, Micah checks the box. CD, again, maybe people thought he was graded higher than he wound up being taken, but where you take a guy 17th, uh, first-year starter, potential building block, absolutely. Um, Leighton Vander Esch, that's tricky. I mean, that he looked like it. He absolutely looked like that, and it hasn't turned out to be the case. Um it's worth noting, to his credit, that they got four years of starting ability out of him. But for where he was taken and where he was and where it wound up going, I think it's fair to call that disappointing. And then obviously, Taco's just the worst miss of the Will McClay era. There's no other way to phrase it. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, I don't know about that. Um, I mean, I mean, your 28th overall pick. I mean, who's worse? Well, I mean, what they did the next year was just as bad, don't you think? I mean. 
Tristan Hill? Yeah, I mean, the Amari, the Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is what I'm talking about. They traded for Amari oh. Cooper, and then they didn't even re-sign him and keep him long-term. Your first-round pick played three years. That's a bust. That's just like Taco Charlton. And it costs you $20 million to do it. If you're going to spend your first-round pick and go get Amari Cooper, he better be a guy that you keep long-term, not because your offensive coordinator is not throwing him the ball and it doesn't work out and he's kind of quiet and doesn't have the same rah-rah attitude, so let's get rid of him. Like, I mean, that's a bust as big as anybody else, as far as I'm concerned. That's your first-round pick. And I look at it very simple. If you're not going to give them a fifth-year uh, option, that, that, that shows kind of what they think. Taco wasn't even here. Mm-hmm. Leighton didn't get a fifth-year option. We'll see about CD. I mean, I think. I'd be hard-pressed if he doesn't, right? I would think probably he will. Yeah. He's on track for it. But that's what I look at it. Yeah. like. And I think 17, 18, and 19, the guys that – that were in those first round picks or traded for, are they didn't get first round options and it just backed into Leighton because his price went so low. They weren't planning on keeping him, but he but he's here. I just disagree in the sense. I mean, Amari Cooper was everything he was advertised to be. He came in and saved that season. He made their passing attack one of the most explosive in the league for the time that he was here. They liked him enough to sign him to the extension. Remember, they traded for him. Not they were like, we're going to get like eighteen games out of this guy. We don't. I mean, we don't know what his long term future is. They gave him the deal, and but it's it is a purely Cowboys decision that he's not here. It's not that he wasn't good enough. Right, but right. That's when when I say it was a bust. He's not a bust. Yeah, I'm talking. I'm talking the, the cow. You're saying the Cowboys because wasted the first round. What pick. was the number we heard? Over and over and over when they traded for him. 24. That was the number. He's only 24. Yeah, he's still only 27. Now he's 27, and he's playing on another team. And they got a fifth-round pick for him. So that, to me, does not look like a good good move. And they're in cap hell because of some of the moves that they made to get him. I mean, so I just don't want to just gloss over that one and say, well, that year. I, I, I hear you, and I just, I mean, look, I think it's, Asinine that he's not on this team, and the fact that they yeah. were trying trying to trade for Devonte, maybe not trying to trade, they were interested in trading for Devonte Parker. Yeah, they, who cost a third round pick and had like a seven million dollar cap hit. So like obviously less, but you're interested in doing all that for a receiver when you just already had a guy who, by the way, his salary already looks less imposing than it used to because like three new guys have signed deals since he got traded. Stephon Diggs is a $24 million player now, by the way. I, I think it's ridiculous. But having said all of that... And another, by the way, what have you done with the money that you saved? Mm, interesting. <laughs> I still say Taco Charlton just signed with his fifth team. He's a saint now. Yeah. He has 11 and a half career sacks. He's never... He's started seven career games. Like... He was a worse decision objectively than Amari Cooper, I mean, in my opinion. How many does Gregory have? Like 17. <laughs> I was just laughing because, I mean, he still has 11 sacks. Yeah. Like, that, I'm not saying he's a good player, and I have said it a thousand times. If his name was John Charlton, he would have been a fourth-round pick. I just think, <laughs> I, 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 I 100% believe that. I don't think that matters, does it, Nick? Tell me that doesn't matter. I think. Please just, tell me that doesn't I, I don't matter. Think, I don't know if he would have been a fourth round pick, but I, I, I yeah. Just think the, you the think novelty that that just kind of the novelty taco. of a guy named Taco? There's a guy named Taco. Let's get him. Like, I mean, you really think that's the way it goes? Which uh, is funny because I think his real name is cooler than the name Taco. What's his real name? Vedante. Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I didn't either. <laughs> Gee, my I've God, my God. Real name. I Sometimes I feel that. like I'm the only one that covers this team. No offense. <laughs> 
we we stick. You stick to the final points. Been a better me and Ambrose just yeah. stay at the Fair, 30, uh, you're right. thousand foot. You're I mean, right. Nobody yeah. knew his name was Rain Dakota until he started making plays. Like if this Fair. was, you know, if he would have been a backup and right, then we'd all know. He could be yeah. like his real name's not Dak. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a nerd for the details. Well, no, you should be. In your job, and your role, you need to be. Uh, we don't. Oh, no, just, I mean, I I just think that's objectively a worse decision because Amari Amari gave this franchise a lot, in my opinion, anyway. I mean, he what, helped them get to two playoff appearances, yeah. yada, yada, yada. What also makes that decision worse is the fact that they wanted a pass rusher. They took him. There's been another pass rusher mm. that's mm. been defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a great point too because it's it is, it's not fair to be like you know, you can't just look at any great player and be like oh Gavin Escobar could have been Le'Veon Bell. It's like they didn't need a running back. They never would have done that. They were looking at yeah. pass rushers that year. They brought Watt into their building. He absolutely could have been their pick, and they screwed it up. All of them. I don't, I'm not singling anybody out. They just they all have to wear that. I, I do think though it has to be pointed out the, the the defensive scheme that he plays in in Pittsburgh is a very different kind of scheme than what they're running here. So it does make change, you wonder. Changes that right, but maybe so. All I'm saying is I do think that has to be pointed out. Whether you believe it would have made a difference or not, that's a whole different conversation. But it's something that should be pointed out. Yeah. Twenty sack players are scheme independent, in my opinion. Like I refuse to believe a guy that's capable of tying Strahan's record would be limited by whatever scheme he played in. I don't care. And if he would be, then Nick's right. Change it. I mean, you know, <laughs> do but, what they're doing. If he doesn't but, fit your scheme, but, your scheme sucks. But yeah. you know also, though, to be fair, like if he if he was projected as that guy. He wouldn't have been picked he 30. Fifth, yeah. You know? so, that, that so everybody thought that he was a little less. Defensive ends in the 20s for the Cowboys haven't really panned out. Yeah. The irony is they don't pan out a lot. Like Anthony that's Spencer, though. That's not bad. No, he wasn't bad. Anthony Spencer was, no, was pretty bad. Hits at end after about pick 16. I mean, they happen. They definitely happen, but they're hard to come yeah, by. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Anyway, were you about to say something, Amber? Yeah. I was going to say that going back to your initial question, to me, all those guys are pretty easy to say whether they were a bust or no. You know, like, it was their pick good or not. You know, we talked about Taco Charlton, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, uh Micah Parsons, but the one that thinking about it does get interesting. And the only reason is because you and I were having a conversation yesterday and you brought up this point about Leighton Vanderesh is how bad was he or how good was he when you really look at who was surrounding him? A guy like Jalen Smith, like could Leighton actually been a lot better than what he actually was had he had some other different kind of support around him. And I think that's where that question for him specifically gets a little interesting if you look at if you look at it that way. And it makes me really wonder like you guys' opinion on that. Do you think he would have turned out to be a different player than what he was or has been had well, he had someone different around him? What was his worst year? This last year? Oh, you think it was his worst year? I'm asking, what do you think was his worst year? Because I mean, there was a lot of injuries there in between because, the best year, which was his first year, yeah. and this last year, which I thought he played better this year than he'd been playing the years before that. Yeah. So to me, but I think a lot of that was so there were so many injuries and just like I don't know if he ever really kind of got sure all the way back. What what point you're making? Uh, are you saying better players around him um, have made him would have made him play better, or are you saying maybe better players around him limited him from playing better? 
you know? Because, I mean, last year he had his best linebacker since he's been here was Micah Parsons next to him. Yeah, and I didn't think he had a bad year. I, again, I thought he was better last year than he was the years before the the couple yeah. of years before that. He 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 didn't have a great year in my right. opinion, or like a good year, but it was better in the fact that you're not watching the game and saying all the time. At least for me, God, look at Layton. Like he's always late for this tackle or that, or you know, like yes, he's had those moments last year, but it wasn't. I feel like at least compared to the year before. As bad as that one. So, yes, Micah maybe elevated his game a little bit, but also previous years. And what did yeah. Jalen Smith do for him? I eh, I don't I don't think I buy that because top 20 picks shouldn't need. Yeah. And you're, you're supposed to be a should. foundational player. Else. Should. should. I, yeah. No, but, no, should not. Yeah. yeah but, 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 no, I just – I think injuries robbed him of some of his explosiveness and maybe even – uh, some of his confidence in the sense that, I mean, you kind of got to throw yourself around to be a good linebacker. Yeah. And and he got hurt significantly two years in a row doing that. And I'm not saying, like, not like he was going half speed or anything or, like, protecting himself. I'm not trying to say that, but he just didn't look as explosive or as confident in this last season as I remember him as a younger player. And I think that's one of the interesting things about Sean Lee. Sean Lee had as many injuries as anybody you can probably name. He, and and probably the reason why he kept getting injured is because he never was willing to relent and kind of take a step back it's, and kind of slow down a little bit. Or he just always was going to be like running and gunning, and whatever happens happens. And I don't know if that's normal for a lot of guys in the NFL. Sean Lee is a in my he's he's damn near a one of one. Like maybe Witten, yeah. But like you know, fans want that guy that only cares about football and will put the team above everything. And we always joke that it's really not a realistic way to be. About human Unless beings. Sean Lee. That was Sean Lee, man. <laughs> right. He really didn't care about anything other than being and a great linebacker. Was, yeah. That was from the get-go. I remember being on the train his rookie year, mm-hmm. going from Oxnard to San Diego for a preseason game, and was supposed to go do an interview. This is going to his first preseason game. He's going to go do an interview or something, and he was like, "Kind of just." He told the PR guys, "Like, no, nah, I'm not doing it." I'm not doing this because I, I'm, I'm focused on this game and I got to prepare. You know, I'm like you're gonna play 12 snaps maybe tomorrow. You know, but he was just like, no, nah, no. Nah. That was from the, the very beginning. Yeah. It was just football all the way. And and you wish that that would have rubbed off on more people. You know, I mean, Jalen Smith was here when he was here, mm-hmm. and it didn't rub off on him mm-hmm. like that. I mean, that wasn't Jalen. That wasn't the way he was. That was that was why. That's the whole snakely thing with Dez. Like. <laughs> Sean, he came out and said it. He was like, yeah, I mean, Des and I butted heads sometimes about me wanting him to be more committed to the craft or the team or whatever. And I mean, that's you know, why we visit all of that ancient history. That's why yeah. leadership yeah. is a very tricky word. It yeah. really is because people say it all the time. Well, he's a leader. A lot of times the loudest guy in the room is the leader and also the one that all the younger players look to. But that doesn't mean he's leading you in the right way. Yeah. And so, I mean, I think Sean Lee certainly was. Um, and I think Witten was too. But you know, leadership—you also have to be a badass player. You know, you can't just be an average player and over there barking signals and all that when everyone's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, you messing up. Yeah. You're about to be a badass. That's why he's on my desk. I have a poster of Sean Lee <laughs> That's, on my desk. The and only I got, guy on I've my got, desk. A, I've got a bigger picture on, on my wall too of a guy that was a pretty good leader too. Yeah, he was. Darren Woodson. Yeah, he was. So what does it say about me that the guy on my cubicle wall is Rolando McLean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
It fits. Uh, it's fair. It just okay. fits. <laughs> All right, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, uh, I have one more question about these first-round picks. I want to talk about C.D. Lamb, and I want to ask you guys the question, where do you project his ceiling to be? Is this a guy that can get up to that level of top 10 wide receiver throughout the NFL, uh, or is he just going to always be kind of a good wide receiver? We'll talk about that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call. And teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone. Even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. To the break. Essler lenses. Are we ready to go? No, All right, now Essler lenses. I can't. Something's wrong with this uh, headset here. So bear with me. All right. Forget about forget about hearing. How about seeing? Essler. You Whether you're watching from home, cheering from the stands, Essler lenses gives you every exciting playbook and appointment at your local Essler experts and find the perfect lens for you. See more, do more, Essler. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking about the draft, and we're talking specifically about previous drafts, what the Cowboys have done over the last five years. We're talking about the first round. I have one more question for you guys about the first round. Where do you see C.D. Lamb's ceiling? Because I think, personally, he has been a good wide receiver. I don't think he's taken that next step to being great. Certainly hasn't gotten to the point where you're talking about him among the very best wide receivers in the NFL. Do you think his ceiling is that high? I think C.D. Lamb is a victim of of pre-draft hype. Um, because if he was just the 17th overall pick, I'm looking at his numbers, 153 catches for 2,000 yards and 11 touchdowns through two years. I mean, that's objectively good. Yeah. Objectively. But he was widely seen as the best receiver in this class, in the 2020 class. The joke for years was... Our joke was Team 40 Burger. Then there was like the whole, I can't believe the league messed up and let him fall to Dallas. How did this happen? The whole league's dumb and the Cowboys are great. And a guy drafted behind him is having an objectively better career. I mean, Justin Jefferson looks like the guy we thought C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy would be. Um, 
So but I think we always compare him to him. I mean, always compare him to Jefferson. You don't compare him to Jalen Rager or Ruggs or Judy or because any of those the guys. F- what? So Judy, Ruggs, Lamb, Rager all went off. So the fifth receiver in the class is objectively the best. I mean, that's why we compare him because it's just like, well, is well, CD the next? Is CD the next yeah. best of Everybody all those? Like, yes. On him. Yes. No. And that's my thing. Is like CD's having an objectively good career. Right. It's just what he is compared to what people thought he would be. Like, there is a right. guy doing what we thought CD would be doing. Right. That's all but, I'm saying. But is, I, mean, I mean, just, I'm going to throw this out there. Is Justin Jefferson, like, is he really a great player? He's got great stats. But, I mean, he's on a team that puts up a lot of yards and stats and a quarterback that, that will throw it. But, I mean, it's all hollow. I mean, do they do anything? Do they win anything? I'm mean, just wondering, like, are we sure that he's not – Doing a lot of those Dak fourth quarter things where they just come back and he's got all these stats and I mean, but we we only compare him to Jefferson. No one compares him to Rager or Rugs or those other guys. I mean, I think he's been pretty good. He's been he's been really good, and we'll see what happens with Amari not here and now he's the number one. But I just I don't I mean because fifteen or eighteen teams missed on Jefferson, I don't think that should factor on Ceedee Lamb. I think about five or ten teams missed on Lamb too. Yeah, no, I I I feel like we're saying the same thing. Ceedee Lamb's having an objectively good career. Yeah. Justin Jefferson's having a better one. Yeah, and people thought that was what Lamb would do. And you can say it's hollow. I mean, it's not like CDs. It's not like the Cowboys' accomplishments in the same time span. They lost one wild card game. I mean, the Vikings. I don't have their records right in front of me, but the Vikings have been in the conversation. Yeah, yeah I mean, they've been right there. Seems like they're a comparable team to the Cowboys. And they, yeah, and, yeah. and and I'll say this. I mean. He's had the same situation as CD. He had a veteran route running guy on the other side that's getting a lot of yards and stats as well. And in, 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 in Jefferson, it's not like Jefferson just went to a team where he had a premier running back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Running game. It is. I, they don't do anything. That's the thing. I mean, and that's just my beef with Cousins. I, mean, I just think he's. I think Vikings fans would agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I, but honestly, like you got to turn you turn the mirror around. There are a lot of Cowboys fans that are thinking the same sure. thing about the Cowboys right now. They're yeah. just not. They got a lot of talent. Not turned into the got, kind of production that you want. That, I mean, they got a lot of people that that Mel Kiper and and Todd McShay said were talent. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they got you got guys, and I'm the same with the Cowboys. I'm I'm saying Cowboys too. You know, we think CD Lambs is great talent, but a lot of teams passed on him too, like yeah. for a reason. Yeah, I guess because he was too skinny. I guess that was the reason. I don't size is part of it. I think he just. He just does everything well and isn't he doesn't have a super freak trait. I mean, Ruggs got drafted where he did because of how fast he was. Judy was seen as the most polished route runner. Not that Lamb can't do it or isn't a good route runner, but Judy was seen as better. And people overthink these things and you wind up falling to seventeenth when you probably shouldn't have. Uh but again, I think we're saying the same thing. Like if if none of that narrative existed. And CD had just been one of like four good receivers instead of widely seen as this amazing talent. Everyone would be very, very pleased with where he is. But because of that hype and because a guy drafted after him is having a better career, you kind of look at it and you're like, eh, I thought we'd have seen more from Lamb. Do you you guys think what we've seen so far says that he's on track to possibly being that upper echelon of receiver? Or is it just one of those things where you're like, you know, at this point, you would have expected him to be more consistent if that's the thing you yeah. think he's missing. I, I put him as my most disappointing player from last year. Huh. Yeah. And we got killed for it. We said, oh, my God, it wasn't Dak. But it was it was 
Why CD? Because I went to Oxnard. I mean, because I was there and you were there, and I thought he was going to be like the great. I thought this was Randy Moss. Yeah, and it wasn't. And he was beating. He was beating a better cornerback every day than than what he faced most of the most of the games. Um, he didn't make those highlight playmaking type plays where. You know, and this was this he was, dropped several of them. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, this was Cooper Rush throwing him the ball a lot. A lot of times, just throwing it up, just go make a play. He made it every day. He, I mean, he looked like he was about to take over the NFL. Yeah. in Oxnard. And that's what I was a little disappointed about. He's like he said, he's still a Pro Bowl player. I mean, alternate, but he, I mean, he was what, you know, top ten receiver from last year. Made the Pro Bowl. I thought he, I thought he had a really good year. I thought he was going to be even better though. That's why. What's I was what's like? Okay, New England. His best game was New England. He yeah. made a great high point touchdown in the third or fourth quarter, and then obviously won the game in overtime. But like other than that, all of my most memorable CD Lamb moments are from his rookie year, like okay. the touchdown against Minnesota, the onside kick return, uh, some of the catches down the seam he made against New York and Cleveland. Uh, he just he was he was good last year. I didn't think he was amazing. You talk about hollow. I felt like the Pro Bowl was a little bit hollow because he was like the second or third alternate to get. But it he had that. really good numbers. He, so he, did. Yeah. he did. We're I feel like a jerk because I'm like oh he's disappointing or whatever. Just he has not lived up to the gargantuan hype. It's not to say he's a bad player. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna find out because they got rid of yeah. they got rid of a better receiver. He's going to be the best receiver on this team unless something even crazier happens. I, it has to be. Yeah. yeah, he has to be. I mean, I, I would assume so. So it, it's on him now. Like They clearly think he can be the centerpiece of their receiver core, and we're going to find out. He's the fourth best 88 right now. Well, he's in his. He just finished. Right. Well, he just finished that's second. That's a high bar to clear. Yeah, that's not even fair. Year. I'm just saying he hasn't. Yeah. Obviously, hasn't passed Dez, and the other two guys are in the Hall of Fame. But I'm not. I'm not worried about him. I, no. He's. They're going to pick up his option. Like I'm not worried about. Yeah. You know, he's going to. Yeah. He's going to keep improving, and he'll be fine. I think. I. I honestly think this year he's going to step up and become one of those premier receivers because I think we've seen flashes of that. We certainly have seen him make some plays. You mentioned that Minnesota. I think that's one of the best catches I've seen from him. Yeah. Um, and I, I think he has that ability to do some really remarkable things, I think, for whatever reason. And by the way, it wasn't just him. Last year, you name a guy on this offense that was consistent. There wasn't one. It was an inconsistent offense. And so I think that you know this year, if they're going to have any – if they're going to be successful – it's going to be in, a, in large part because he's going to step up and become that guy that in crunch time in games, they're going to find a way to get him the ball, and he's going to make plays for him, and that's how they're going to win. I don't want to hear this Amari Cooper crap with this with this one next time because we, we, we brought this up before. Yeah. You talk about like Amari not getting involved or not being able to find him. They didn't target CD until the second half of the playoff loss. Yep. That's a problem. It is a gigantic problem. Well, that's and, what it makes me wonder, like, makes me anxious to see what what's going to happen exactly next year. Because although I don't think that CeeDee Lamb has reached his ceiling and he has a lot more to show, I believe that. I think that right now the way that the team currently stands and what they have talent-wise, they've taken a step backwards. And you're not really having the right tools around players like him for him to be able to succeed. And by that, I mean, obviously, the O-line. What's going to happen there? That's obviously going to affect the the passing game. And CeeDee Lamb, yeah, he, he's made some great catches and all that, but I also have a very fresh memory of drops that he's made, things that he should have caught. 
things that you want your number one guy to catch. And that's going to be his role now. And also, the one game that Amari Cooper didn't play and that you were counting on CeeDee Lamb, I mean, the coaching staff is going to have to figure something out to make to allow him to play better. But that one game right now doesn't give me a lot of hope because he I don't remember him really doing much of anything when Amari Cooper wasn't there to play. So it makes me wonder, okay, what's what's he actually going to do? And like I said, he has the talent, and I and I, know, I know he can – it's there. We just need to see it. He, I mean, he played, to be fair, he played a half against the Chiefs and got a concussion mm-hmm. and then didn't play the next game on a short week. You know, while you were saying that, I was like, man, that – that game against the Raiders, you know, I mean, they were in it overtime. I mean, playing playing that with both their starters, you know, but like without both starting receivers. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, like no one ever goes back and says they just they just lost to the Raiders who aren't very good, you yeah. know, or barely made the playoffs or whatever. But it's just like that was a challenge, you know. That I mean, obviously to 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 play that game on a short week without your two receivers. Yeah, you know, and also I kind of think part of the problem with this offense. I think they had too many options. I think Dak had too many options, and they went into it saying, well, we're just going to find the open guy and just get it to him, versus a lot of teams where they're like, we got our guy. And he's good enough that even if he's covered, even if he sometimes is double covered, he can make a play, and we're going to feed him the rock. And I wonder if maybe that's the issue. that that may, but I, And I get that. I know that can be a double-edged sword, because yeah. back when they were doing that with Dez, we were like, stop trying to feed him the ball. Just get the we guy to whoever's open. Way. It we is, right. Way. Yeah, it goes both ways. Just I get, get to that. The Super Bowl. This, is, right. yeah, this <laughs> isn't my my beef because I mean yeah. I I don't necessarily I'm not I haven't played in the NFL. This is something that Isaiah Stanback was on the show and he said he said when that happens though is it your quarterback though is it your quarterback that says you just said regardless if you're covered we feel like we got a guy that can make a play but is the quarterback comfortable enough to make that throw when he's covered to go I can still get it to my guy as opposed to no 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 I'll just find Schultz boom seven yards cool it's still it's still now it's third and five but. Uh, you know, I got, I got. Well, that that to me is about building confidence because he has to build that confidence with that receiver. That means that he has to do that a lot during right. training camp and during practices they're That's, having at the house and all that stuff. There's a reason, though. There's a reason why Dak doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. I mean, seriously, he's careful because he's careful with the ball, yeah. which is not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But you know, I say it all the time. When he retired, I don't think it's anymore. But when he retired, Brett Favre led the NFL in touchdowns and yeah. interceptions. Romo threw some picks too. You got to throw. You got to take some chances. But but do you think? Do you think? Aaron lessening... Rodgers doesn't take doesn't throw picks and takes chances. So I don't know. But do you think lessening his options? Maybe having less. Um, like if if he's got to choose between throwing to a Noah Brown or throwing to a CD that might be covered, do you think in that kind of scenario he's like, I got a better chance of making this happen if I get it to CD? Do you think that pushes him to maybe? Try to make some of those throws that otherwise he might pass I on. Know. I hate it a lot. No, I, I, no. Aaron Rodgers is is a one of one. Yeah, Aaron, he's different. But every other good quarterback has a multitude of weapons. I think it's on Dak to just trust that he can get guys the ball. Yeah. I mean, like look at look at all these great teams. I mean, the Rams have more than Cooper Cup, and when they lost Robert Woods, they went and got Odell. But Beckham. they still feed the hell out of Cooper Cup. That's the quarterback. The quarterback is willing to do that. I th- I'm, and I'm a big Dak fan. It's on Dak to have right. more confidence. And that's because what I'm pointing I think to, Nick, by the way. I'm Nick pointing to Dak. Hit yeah. the nail on the head where Dak is like, if you're not open as hell, I'm not throwing you the ball. And that's 
great to a point. You've also got to have the confidence to say, this is my guy. He's going to go and get it. teams do that. They're like, go ahead. Schultz us all day long. Because mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, we'll be all right in the end. Yeah. Which is why, honestly, when I look at them potentially drafting a receiver, the name I keep going back to is Chris Olave because he's a wonderful route runner. He can run. Well, he's got he's got yeah he can run four two six is what I like. I don't I really I don't care about his speed. He I think he's the the best route runner. If y'all want speed, why aren't we talking about Jamison Williams? No, I get it, but I'm saying Olave gives you both of them. He's a guy that can run and he can run great routes. I'll take that speed. Ready by train camp. Yeah, I already got that guy. Alave Alave can create separation with his route running, which is what Dak wants. Is he going to be there at 24? Maybe. What I heard, I, I heard they. But again, they I like think Burks too. Terrible, terrible, yeah. terrible idea. Of course they do to say Suey. They've only drafted. I know, one I'm messing with this guy over here. Uh, <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> no, I, I think, think it's a terrible idea to say we'll be better with less options. No chance. But, but not even close. We spend years saying Dak needs help. It's got to be the O line. I tell you, the guard or center that you can take at 24th that starts immediately, a plug-and-play guy, that helps Dak more than the receiver that they get at 24. I promise you. that. Will but help. that means week one you might be out there with Noah Brown. You okay with that? Even if you got a good offensive line, you okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> well, no. what are we doing? Like... <laughs> There's there there'll be other guys too. There'll be there'll be other guys. Simi? I, I, no, listen, I think we have hit the point where I think I mean, watch him sign someone today. But I, I don't think you're gonna see a lot of moves anymore. We're about three weeks away. At this point, why go sign a veteran receiver? I don't know who's out there. Jarvis Landry or Yeah. So I mean, why go do that when you could draft a guy at twenty four and then you're like, let's just cut you know. So I think you're just kinda hitting the brakes. We'll see what happens after the draft, and then there'll be there'll be like another wave. The, I think you can, you're right, guys. I think you're right. The thing, like, I'm fine if they don't do anything else at receiver. That's what James Washington is for. You have to draft another one, but you're like, okay, we have, we're okay, and yeah. we can draft a guy. The thing with guard is like they're not okay. They're not okay, and maybe they'll yeah. sign a guy after the draft. But yeah. this is just my opinion. I objectively think, I think there's a very good chance that a better. Res- if there's a receiver and a guard both available at 24, I think the receiver will be the better player. Mm. And I hate the idea that they'll draft the guard just because they need it. Yeah. So we're talking about at the first in the first segment, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's you, entirely possible Burks and Olave could be there, or at the very least, one of them. And going away from one of those guys because you didn't do anything about guard makes me want to puke. Yeah, but. True, but also remember what we talked about before is that this is a three to four mm-hmm. year thing, and you're going to need a guard. I mean, Zach, sure. Zach Martin is, of course. You know, I mean, I like, mean, it's time to start putting those resources back in that offensive line again. Well, but not only that, Nick, you mentioned this earlier in the show. You kind of also looking at like where can you get other players, and it sounds like Dave, you know more about yeah. this than I do, but it sounds like this is a very deep wide receiver draft. You could get good wide receivers maybe in later round, second, third. Maybe even fourth round. Maybe they're not as good, obviously. Uh, but but certainly there are options there where, like you said, Nick, if you don't take that center early, you might not get one. Maybe the same for guard. Who knows? I think I think you can get in the second or third round. I think one of their needs is going to be a smaller receiver, a very quick and fast. Maybe a guy that returns punts as well. I don't even know the name. Um, I'm sure you got some names like that. But I'm I'm looking at a you know a five ten five eleven. You know, slot guy, super quick and fast. You can do some things with him. 
returns punts. That would be because I think that guy in the third round is also a guy that helps you immediately because there's not really a guy like that. James Washington is not very tall, but he's not really a slot guy. Mm. I'm looking for maybe a slot type of quick, you know, gadget type player that can do some things for me. Let me let me look at this draft magazine which we have. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more, and we're going to move to the second round. But look what the Cowboys have done uh, in the second round over the last five years. We're going to come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek, and we're both with... United United Ag and Turf, Turf, the official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. At AT AT&T... Everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call. And teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone. Even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Back to the break. Registration is now open for Dallas Cowboys Youth Football, Dance Academy, and Lil' Miss Camp. Save $25 with early bird pricing when you register by May 9th. Camps are available at AT&T Stadium and Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash academy to secure your spot today. Let's go. Welcome back to the final segment of the Break Life Nest WBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. I did not get a chance to let uh, you guys tell me what you thought of WWE guys got a chance to go out there and experience WWE. What was that like? Wonderful. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean it's uh Dave Dave was he was really excited when uh Stone Cold came out. Yeah. I was I, I was trying that. to find the words to say. It's just it's one of those things that just takes you back to your childhood. You know, like if you hear a song from when you were yeah. eight. Nostalgia. And, yeah. Very nostalgia, which the fact that Stone Cold is... I've been to three WrestleManias now, and he's made an appearance at all of them. Like, WWE knows what its fans want. They're like, hmm. hit me with the nostalgia. Okay, they never <laughs> promised that. They never. I made the... Look, I made the... No, I, no, I, no. I ruined everybody's night because my buddy is, like, really into wrestling. Yeah. Like, he follows it closely. He reads the message boards. He watches NXT and the Japanese leagues. 
and he was like, yeah, you know, the, the rumor, there's a chance The Rock could show up. And I said it in passing to a few people, like Nick, but they brought their <laughs> kids and like wanted their kids to have a great night. And yeah. so, like, by halfway through the show, everybody was like, when's The Rock getting here? <laughs> right. And I was like, I didn't say it was going to happen. No, you weren't the only one, though. You weren't the only one. We went... We went in there thinking that there was a good chance for yeah. the Rock, you know. But the little man wasn't excited that I mean, he wasn't happy that Rock didn't show see up. The Rock, but you know, a part of it too is that's all, that's who he, he's, he's he knows. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. know. But now he knows. Now he knows Roman Reigns. He yeah. knows some some other people, and you know, he was kind of kind of into it. I, I thought it was it was cool. They, they put on a great show. There's no yeah. doubt about it. They do a great job. They know what they're doing, and it was it was fun. Yeah. Speaking of nostalgia, Dave, you kind of you kind of took me aback when you tweeted about uh, One Shining Moment because I was like, Ugh. that is all about nostalgia. How could you not like One Shining Moment? Uh, you know me, man. I'm broken inside. I <laughs> just, I just, it's, <laughs> I mean, it hurt me. Like, I was like, I love One Shining Moment. I look forward to One Shining Moment. I just think it's a corny song. It, yes, but that's beside the point. It's that's nostalgia. It, that... It's nostalgia. It's it's just all the years of watching it after. I the thought you were actually done. referring to like a shiny moment that happened. No, like, no. we're talking about the you know obviously the video they put together at the end of the NCAA oh, you tournament. You can't come into it now and just hit and just oh let me see what they're talking yeah, about. Yeah, like you oh, gotta have no, been doing no. this for years, it and be, it's just yeah. a part of the experience. It's I've like been part of the experience of March I've Madness. Been watching the tournament since I was like eight years old. My dad grew up a huge KU fan. I I don't follow KU basketball anymore but it was very cool to see them win yeah they broke my heart in the dome in 2003 when they lost to syracuse so like i was like oh kind of exercising those demons i still turned it off before the song came on like i, I did too this but doesn't I, do anything for I, me i did uh youtube it uh, the next day i did too to what, i did too i want to see that's it's a me thing it's yeah. like okay. displays of earnest emotion uh, uh abhor me like i can't deal with I'll that say so this, i have though, to go somewhere else it's yeah. really hard to do anything like especially in, in you know the media world to keep it going for i mean 30 32 years i, b- I believe it was 1990 or 91 when they started doing yeah. it they've changed the song i mean it's they've a different version the, yeah, of that song different versions yeah. but it's still uh, the ball is tipped yeah i've always just loved it it's just it kind Me of too. just pulls it all back together and it reminds you oh i remember that in the first round i remember that in the second round mm-hmm. like it's just I love you know it. like I love as it. you get older like santa claus is coming to town is not for me either it's a little too hokey but you just talked about wwe and you were like it's all about nostalgia yeah Take me back well, to my childhood stone cold comes out on an atv guzzles beer and kicks people's ass like that's fun <laughs> that's great <laughs> One shining moment. You just told us so much about yourself. Stone Cold and The Rock, like <laughs> those are my childhood heroes. If you need any context about who I am, yeah, yeah, yeah that's good. Okay, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk about the second round here, and we're probably not going to get through all of this, but we're going to start here on the second round. Next week, we'll pick you back up. Uh, first, tell me in the second round, what is the ex- expectation, Dave? I know you said you kind of know how teams think about this. What do, what do teams think of? Second, you have something. Yeah. No. Second round picks yeah. and and what the expectation should be for those players. I think more so than what Dave said in the, about the first round. I think where the guys picked in the second round is is a big difference. I mean, high second round, you know, you're talking about 38, 39, 40 versus 60. I mean, I, I think I think that's a big difference on, on your expectation. I mean, first round, I, you expect that guy to come in and play. Second round, depending on the position, it is different. I mean, but, and you, but you expect him to at least contribute. Yeah. It, first, so the the two things I'm looking at here, which is the way you look at it, depending on. And Nick's totally right. Like second round, high second round, low second round, even part of the third round. First year starter ability versus starter ability 
immediate backup or role player might need time to develop. The higher you go, the more likely it is that you view them as an immediate starter or an immediate player. Mm -hmm. And that's why the funny thing is, and I know you want to go round by round, but I think this is a just a perfect example of what we're talking about. And it's why teams guard their actual grades of players very, very closely because I, they don't want – to, they don't want you to know just how little or much they mm-hmm. thought of a guy because that can really come back to bite you. Yeah. But 2019 and 2018 are a perfect example. Connor Williams goes 50th overall, mid-second round. Then the next year, they don't really need a guard, but they draft Connor McGovern, I believe 90th? Yes, uh, yes 90th, 90th overall. Third round. And the, remember, the... The, the narrative around McGovern when they drafted him was this was a blinking red light. Like, we had a high second-round grade on this guy. We couldn't believe he hung around until where we were picking in the third round. So even though Connor McGovern was taken – or sorry, Connor Williams was taken 40 spots ahead of Connor McGovern, Connor McGovern's a more disappointing player to me because of what you had him graded as, what you thought he could be, mm. whereas Connor Williams – and to be fair to him, I don't know what their grade on Connor was, but taking at taking at fiftieth, I've been arguing with people for months that Connor Williams is this disappointing player. I'm like, you drafted him fiftieth overall, and he started four years here. Didn't work out. You were fine to let him leave, but like, he got a second contract in the NFL. That's you not got bad. use yeah. out of him. Like, that is not a terrible pick as far as I'm concerned. Whereas. For what we know about what they thought of Connor McGovern, I'm like, y'all thought you were getting more than this when you drafted him. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just that's indisputable at this point. So I think it's just an interesting inside look into the way that these things play out. Because, again, you could draft a guy at 90 that you have a high second on or draft a guy at 50 who you're like, oh, this is about right. You know, we're this is this lines up with where we're picking. Yeah. Uh, and it, I think that just colors the way that you can view these careers, because I think of course, you would rather have Trayvon Diggs, who was 51st overall. Like, it would be great if a top 50 pick signed a second contract here, but I don't think it's the end of the world that it doesn't work out. So you look at the uh, the guys that they've selected over the last five years in the second round. You got Kelvin Joseph, who was selected at 44, Trayvon Diggs at 51, Tristan Hill at 58, Connor Williams at 50, and Cheeto Bay Awuzie at 60. Um, let's start first with Kel- Kelvin Joseph. Do you think he's met expectations for what you needed to see from him in year one or do you think at this point he's vastly under under that i don't think we'd say over but vastly under where you wanted him to be at the end of year one i mean i think when he was drafted um even though you kind of knew some of his history the cornerback that you draft at 44 you would have liked for him to be better than anthony brown um he wasn't for a couple of reasons. One, he wasn't good enough. He was hurt a, l- a little bit. And Anthony Brown had a better year than maybe people thought he was going to have. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's continuing to improve too. So um, I think he's below the expectations, but, you know, the cornerbacks that were ahead of him are better than him. And you got to give them credit for that. Yeah, I think the way you view Kelvin probably depends on how you view Jordan Lewis and Anthony Brown. Because on one hand, it's like, these guys are bums who we're trying to get rid of, and a top 50 pick should be able to come in and take their job. Then on the other hand, you say, these two guys are successful draft picks who signed second contracts with their team and have started a lot of games in the NFL. Maybe neither one of them is as bad as fans like to act like they are, mm-hmm. and it's hard for a rookie, a rookie whose thumbnail was 
kind of raw. Only I think Kelvin Joseph only started like 18 yeah, college games. Yeah. Hasn't played a lot of football. Probably not ready to come in and be the guy right away. But I do and, like what I see from him. From when I, when he's out there, you can see the skills. And and I think, you know, I've said it before. This these three months are crucial for him. These this you know, March, April, May. What is he doing to take his game to the next level? Because he's got the potential. He's just got to do it. Maybe it's a cop-out, but, like, Kelvin Joseph, I just have a, a pin in, in him where I'm, like, I'm not disappointed and I'm not optimistic. I'm just, like, it was a redshirt year for all intents and purposes. Let's see what you can do this year. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap for us for today. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about the uh, the rest of this second round because there are lots of questions around Trayvon Diggs and how he's con- how he's perceived versus the player that he is, and uh, and certainly from Connor Williams, <laughs> Tristan Hill. There's a lot of questions in this second round. Uh, we'll talk about all that next week. Till then, for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?